the Nike logo was sold for, I think she made like $300 off of it originally. And think of how much money has been generated from that swoosh. Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, 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 Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, and this is Season 6, Chapter 3, the season about the other side, where we explore all sorts of people with stories that affect the way that they do balloons. And in this episode, it's Larry Moss, the Larry Moss, and Kelly Chittle, both of them quite an amazing designer by themselves. And together, when they work together, OMG, this is just a relationship that affects the the way that they do balloons in such a powerful way that it touches the hearts and souls of many and then there I say thousands and thousands of people that affect that are affected by the wonderful art. I would go directly into the episode but I just want to also mention the hard feelings and emotions after hearing that Deborah Feldman, may her soul rest in peace, uh, has passed away from her struggle uh, of fighting cancer. I had the privilege of meeting with Debs in Twist and Trout 17, and uh, yeah, I, I'm just so I just want to say that we'll put this show on mute for, for 10 seconds and then go right into the interview. Thank you for your patience. And now for the interview with Larry Moss and Kelly Chittle. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and we are here live in Twist and Shout 18 in Las Vegas, Nevada, with the power couple, Larry Moss and Kelly Chittle. Those guys are so adorable. They know how to work together, so I had to just talk with them about it because there's something there in their lives that just works, and that's the topic of today's uh, interview. Hello, Larry. How are you? Great. And uh, Kelly, how are you? It's good to be here. Great. So uh, let's start with uh, your story, you know, of how you met and started to work together and became a couple and married. Uh, back in 2004, I led the first Balloon Manor, pulled everybody together from all over the place. And we hadn't met at that point, but two years later in 2006, when we brought Balloon Manor back, um, as it got close to the event, I got email from Kelly, a woman that I had never met, didn't know who she was. And she offered to help in areas that, that I was a little weak, uh, notably the, uh, the, the posters. I might be good at pulling together crews and working on community stuff and doing and being good at sculpting, but I had at that time zero graphic design skills. And I just got this, this note from Kelly saying, hey, you need my help. And why did you send him this email? Well, I had heard about the project from a few friends because, you know, this was the second time that it was going up and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to go and see this. It looks amazing. And I'd seen some of the images online and I was like, how on earth did I miss this? This is like a large community project that's, you know, full of art and creativity and, and unusual materials. You know, and then I looked at the posters and I was like, oh, that's probably why. <laughs> and I thought, you know, like, this is a really great project. They could, it looks like they could use some help. So um, I love making awesome things happen in the community. So a little bit of effort on my part, you know, some evening in my PJs and, and sending it off to Larry was just a way to kind of help a project that was very grassroots get off the ground just needed to be done so i what i didn't realize though was that that email was going to change the course of my life <laughs> so you had the, the experience of being a graphic designer and an, an art director of other projects and on different uh, aspects of, of materials and so but have you ever did any balloons um i think there might be a picture of some sort of 
crappy collection. <laughs> like, I think one of the kids had a birthday, and, you know, I had seen some twisted figures, but nothing, you know, to the level of what we're obviously seeing today. And I think I, like, put together, like, two white five-inch rounds and, and made, like, this really creepy frog thing for my son's head. <laughs> I, I'll hide that picture, but if I can find it, maybe I'll, I'll share it. But it was it was really funny to bring Kelly on. So that first year, it was just the graphics work she was helping with. The next year, I said, you know, you're great. It was wonderful having you around. Can you join us and, and be part of the crew? Get your hands on the balloons. That was was really when we got her going and the fun part about that so we're going into our third year now the crew gets together i'm introducing everybody and i said i just want you to know this project has grown so big we've attracted people from all over the place we even have people on the crew this year that have never touched balloons and never told anybody who there were two different people on the crew that that year that that were brand new to to balloons and I had people coming up to me after that morning meeting going, how could you let people on the crew that don't know anything about balloons? It's going to be so hard to work with them. I said, no, 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 trust me, just let it go. And I never said who it was, and it would be really funny. People would come up to me throughout the build and go, I figured it out. I know who it, who it is. And not one of them named Kelly. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's an awesome story. Well, and, you know, that, that first unwitting project for my son's birthday aside, you know, going to Balloon Manor was I kind of got lucky, I think, when I my first exposure to balloons because it wasn't, hey, here's a, a, a recipe, make this. It was, hey, we're going to make skeletons for this area, make a skeleton. And so my first approach to balloons was looking at it the way I look at any other medium with, okay, these are the tools, this is how they kind of work, go with it. Um, and and try things until you figure out a way to make it work. So the first thing I ever really made was a skeleton, like a full-size skeleton, which is not typical. Usually it's like a puppy. Um, so it was, But I think that actually really helped my development as an artist who happens to work with balloons. <laughs> That's an interesting definition by itself. But uh, let's talk a little bit about definitions because you work together in Erigami. Uh, and uh, how do you manage your projects? Who, who does what? Can you share us a little bit about that? Well, it's important to, to say at this point that we've worked together long enough that we've learned what the other one can do. We've picked up skills and styles from each other. So we're, we're both capable of doing everything in the studio that's needed, but it's really kind of divided up. Uh, I am the creative director, my official title. Um, I'm and, artistic director. And what that means is I tend to steer more the, the... I paint the large brush strokes of we're going in this direction and here's here's how we're going gonna to create this, you know, things that I... That I, that I want to do. I tend to work more with the crews and the, the staff management, um, and the, the community connections and, uh, yeah, the big picture. But I have all of the, the, you know, 30 years now of working with balloons. So I've got the technical skills in that area. Um, and I'm, I'm really strong at that at, at the execution. Um, Kelly does. I, was gonna say, uh, I tend to do more of the day-to-day uh, -day design work and, and art direction, you know, because there's, there's design and there's, uh, you know, creation of, of objects. And so a lot of times what happens, especially on a job, um, you know, we will have individual designers doing work and creating pieces. I may come in and suggest tweaks or the way I want something to look or the gesture of something so that that way, it, you know, the piece on whole has a vision that's completed all the way through, not just individual separate items. The whole thing is a piece. Although as, as I'm thinking about it now, it's interesting because that's kind of the way we've defined our roles for a long time. But but I'm even seeing more blurring of, of that, like Kelly coming in and doing a lot more of the execution than she did before as I've pulled back a bit and do more. Uh, I do all the photography, the ends. And we're, you're, you're kind of in a position, I think, in your career where you're, you know, you've got these years of experience and unique experiences themselves that, you know, the getting to share that expertise, whether it's speaking or, you know, you, you kind of get to be the, the, the cool guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's evolved a lot. I've I've spent enough years doing the execution of things that I I almost have less interest in that and more in direction where we're going and sharing and speaking and yeah, getting in front of crowds, doing all of that. You know, I had the in my past, I certainly did my share of stage performance. That was kind of how I grew up from five years old. I was on stage and did a lot of the storytelling with the balloons and the magic and the juggling and a lot of the things that you see in the industry, but again, focused on the performance. And I'm I'm almost going back to that from a different angle now, because now the performance aspect of what I do is presenting things presenting our projects and it's and funny because you know thinking back to you know growing up myself some of my first memories are of making things and designing things uh, you know sitting in my backyard of my grandparents house and you know digging in the dirt but not just like digging in the dirt I, I was sculpting little hills and valleys and covering them with you know little pieces of moss and little plants to look like you know a bigger so I was building sculptures I guess when I was really little so the, I think you know, we all have something in us that we're driven to do and we end up applying it, you know, to what we're whatever we're doing at the, the current moment. Can I ask you, Larry, like um, because you, you've been around and we all follow your huge projects, uh, like each in his own phase was exposed to one of your projects. I remember quite a few of them that were uh, really inspiring. Um, what nowadays from from all of these experience, what would you just decide no, it's not for me. I will not do this project. Well, project-wise or, or just... Like um, even artistically-wise with balloons. Well, so when you look at most and not all, you know, Kelly is certainly one of the exceptions, but you look around, you run into other people that, that, are, that, that don't fit in this mold, but most of the people that get into balloons and start doing them in public learn to do line work or you know the the balloon factory uh, and i want to interject here i have to say i have so much respect and and appreciation for people who can do line work because i am so horrible at it right, and so it's, it's such it's such an amazing skill so i don't want anyone to think that like i think less of that because that to me is in a, a place of honor someone that can be not only talented and sculpt something quickly but be charming at the same time like though yes but at the same time like i'm i really want to emphasize like well, i'm not trying to say that what you want or not don't want to do is right for everyone i just want to know what you feel like it's just not not anymore a Larry Moss thing well so i think kelly just hit on it in what in what she was saying she respects about people doing that is that I have found today, while I used to be able to work in front of the crowds on the street uh, handing out balloons, I, I just can't do that anymore. I can't keep up that, that happy, smiley face for hours on end. I'm so much more interested in doing the one-off pieces, creating something new that I've never done before. Even if it takes an hour to make a piece that, that with practice could be two minutes, um, I'm more interested in spending that hour in inventing. I... I like crowds. I like interacting with people, but just not that rapid fire, get the balloons out into the crowd. That's the, the one thing that I've totally left behind. Well, and I think that kind of, we're, we're nerdy. <laughs> we are like two really very geeky people. And I think we're both kind of scientists too at heart. You know, maybe we're not necessarily, you know, I'm not, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a, a biologist, but that whole scientific method that I think there are a lot of um, similarities and correlations between art and science with the whole idea of experimenting and trying to get different results and observation. Um, so, you know, I think that is probably what's happening is that the two of us want to see what we can do with things, see how we can change things, see how we can observe, whether that's science or that's art or just the way that we are. You know, we want to see if balloons decompose. We want to make sure that people have the right science. We want to make sure that, you know, hey, is there a better way to put high float in a balloon? I don't know. It's it's just this we're tinkerers and makers and crafters and builders and philosophers. I don't know. We're just 
kind of weird and fun, I think. I hope. I noticed also that your portfolio of projects that you are working on, and I, I've been following you guys uh, like at least at the last two years more closely, and I noticed that it's very you know heavily inspired by balloons, but not necessarily the end result of the art. It's sometimes not balloons at all, but either printed something or picture or whatnot. Or whatnot. Right, the, the end piece, I actually just got the question right before we started talking here, was uh, how much of what you do is, is photography. And it's so weird to even break it down and go, well, this is balloons, this is photography, because I just see it as creating art. And the last phase of the art is the thing that people are going to see. It's not oh, the sculpture is done, or oh, the picture is done, it's what are they going to see? If they're going to see it printed on canvas, then I'm not done until it's printed on canvas. And so, uh, my, you know, so my background with the design and illustration and, and, and whatnot, um, I, before I touched the balloons, I was doing a lot of paper sculpture. Uh, so this, balloons to me were just like another medium for creating these dimensional sculptures, d- dimensional illustrations. Um, so... To me, a lot of times, you know, like if there's different applications, you know, if you're building a sculpture that's going to be viewed in the round, you're going to do different things than if you're building a sculpture that's going to be viewed, viewed just from like, you know, one side or, or, you know, actually in 3D versus in print, because, you know, you can get away with a lot more layering if something's going to be printed than if they're going to see it in real life, because, you know, there's going to be some ugly knots and whatnot in the back, but if the finished result is only going to be viewed from one side in a flat photograph and they're not going to be able to see my ugly knots, then that's fine. <laughs> well, and, and then the other thing, I mean, we, a lot of our finished work is, is video. Um, we've gotten into stop motion animation, which is also a blast and yet another view of the work. Let's take a, an overview first of some of the things you do. So you do jewelry. You do, <laughs> you, you do like. You mean so? You mean the, in my non-balloon playing and what? I, I. What is the line of origami? Like, if we take a look at it on the oh. artistic level, you do, you do so many things. So the the jewelry was kind of like a fun spinoff. Like I, my background is is you know I, any medium I can get my hands on. I don't care if it's those foam sticks that were in the, the vendor room or, or the food that's left over on the plate from dinner. Uh, I'm going to push it around and I'm going to make something out of it just because that's what, that's what drives me. Um, so as far as things being branded under origami, yes, we do have a jewelry line and we have, you know, some illustrated cards and we have book. you, books. books. You've got books, your instructional so. like I mean, like Larry was, you know, as far as the Bible of climbing inside balloons – the, the Climb Inside right. book we've, is in there. and two illustrated children's books that use the balloons. Yeah, I think there's there's a difference when you ask what, what we do and then what does Aragami do. There's a difference between what's Aragami and what's Kelly and Larry. Yes. Like, we actually have produced artwork not under the, the Aragami name. And some of the artwork we did under the Aragami, that we didn't do under the Aragami name even involved balloons. That, you know, it's there's... I th- Aragami focuses on the the amazing work that you, that you can do with balloons and the the large installations and the illustrations that are strictly out of balloons and you know the jewelry line is there but those there's are, the other stuff that we do that's a little more experimental like you know we we not too long ago did a gallery show where the subject matter was something that we said probably shouldn't be origami but as artists, this is what we're yeah. compelled to make, and we're happening to use the medium. So that one we didn't necessarily like. That was the artwork of Larry Moss and Kelly Cheadle, or Kelly Cheadle and Larry Moss, whichever <laughs> way you decided to put it. But, but I, why? What? What? What's not appropriate oh, well, we were, in it? it we were we were actually asked to do a political piece, mm. and we didn't want. You and know, if you we, follow me on Facebook, you know that I am very vocal about my opinions, and but I'm also open to like having adult conversations about real topics because I get that people are not gonna. We're all different, and that's a good thing. We just need to play nicely together, right? And and we just wanted to make sure. In, in the case of that political piece, that it was really our statement. It was how we feel. We didn't want any of our clients to to look at it and say, how do we know you're going to represent us right? So we, we thought it best to make that distinction and go, 
if you hire Aragami, you know what Aragami is. We're not going to go off and and do something that that your customers are going to be unhappy with. Or well, there's a difference between making personal art and making you know art for hire. So we've, we've also made a few really cool kids. So well, you know, there's <laughs> and let me ask you: Is there anything more on the on the train of thought of of what Larry Moss is like into doing and not, what not? Is there anything that you would like uh, focus on or be more passionate about? You mean if we weren't doing the origami stuff? Or? No, I mean, I mean within the origami projects. Oh, like if 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 Larry, I understand because Larry, you are the, the the creative director and you're the artistic director. So as a creative director, you you look at the strategy and you can decide. I think about the projects that are good for origami. But will you ever, Kelly, um, argue that this project is not good for you or? <laughs> something of that sort um from that cackle you can probably assume that this conversation has happened well it, it's interesting because you know yes we are known for doing big giant sculptures and we do these amazing illustrations that sort of work doesn't necessarily come i mean i think everyone is familiar with like income that's like sort of like an accordion it comes in it goes out and trying to stabilize a business um requires sometimes that you do jobs that aren't necessarily like the big fancy flashy things um and last year i had the opportunity to go to float and um so i'm sure someone will have a big smile on their face from this but like it was awesome um and a lot of the deco work appeals to me from a design standpoint because you're creating mood you're creating and, and this is what the same material that i'm using um and decorator jobs i have to admit are generally more profitable than a lot of these twisting projects because you're spending so much time on all this detail um when a lot of the deco work is you know yes it is repetitive a lot of times um but there still is the design work there still is you know changing the layout and the feeling of the room um and their budgets tend to be higher because they you know so if i'm trying to squeak in a little bit more deco stuff than we would have had in the past into our workflow just so that that way you know maybe we can keep the the accordion squeezing a little bit less um so that that way you know there is time to work on some more of those personal projects rather than you know and it always seems to work out which is great but you know it, it's it's challenging at times where you're like uh it's this month and um the calendar's looking a little light and then next week five people call so it's trying to figure out how to stabilize those numbers as they come in so we can expand staffing you know like stability for for all of this craziness is is something that we're actively focusing on you know as our business matures like how can we make our, our business more stable so that that way it's more profitable so that that way we can do more cool stuff and what, what do you feel about doing uh, like decor jobs that are purely deco and less artistic in the project level well, well it's, it it's interesting <laughs> the again i've never had a huge interest in in doing more of the classic decor i like doing that centerpiece so i i think having classic decor but around what we do isn't necessarily... highlights right it's not necessarily classic yeah. but i mean i i see i see a value in having decor around the room that that can even center people on on our featured piece but i myself have never really had that much interest in doing it i do think like kelly said there's an advantage to to having that available both for our clients and for us and, and I, for our staff and uh, to know that that we always have work for our staff to do. So I'm interested in it from a business standpoint. I think it's important as a personal thing. You know, it doesn't it, it doesn't excite me. But to me, the other piece of this is, you know, people are accustomed to seeing balloon decor in a celebratory event. They're not necessarily accustomed to seeing, you know, a big sculpture. So as sort of an inroad into like meeting with clients and getting them to maybe invest in having a sculpture, if they're coming to us, maybe because they want some interesting decor for an event that they're not going to get anywhere else, we can say, oh, well, would you like to add a signature sculpture to that? You know, like, it's a way to get that extra piece in there um, when they're already okay with the idea of including balloons in their event. This is just a way to enhance that even more with, you know, what would have otherwise been our primary directive. Um, and I think a lot of the experience that we've had running these big crews and getting jobs done under tight schedules, you know, when someone hires us to do that decor job, they know that the job is going to get done. It's going to get done well. We're going to be professional. And we're going to be like the like the other day I, I did a job in Dallas and 
the event coordinator said that we were the easiest part of her day. Like it was a joy. So like that to me, I meant to tell you that it was really nice to hear. <laughs> And um, do you do you often get phone calls or something of that sort of emails about uh, private events that you're just like, oh, no, we're not doing those kind of things anymore. Do you get a lot of these? Um, we don't. We, if anything, the, the job that we we can't take, like I, I we can't take a job that is super small we've got overhead in the studio and there's there's an opportunity cost sometimes with a smaller project and even the time that goes into a client that and i you don't want to like peg clients too much that you know because one client you might expect to not have a big budget does and and vice versa but those jobs where it's like you're you're trying to squeeze as much as you can and you're like can i get five hundred dollars you know you've spent three days trying to get five hundred dollars is that job really profitable yeah the other thing is on the smaller jobs just because of the size of what we do you know we're, we're very cost effective for an ad agency that needs an ad made but when you look at the cost of doing a birthday party It's not just we have to charge more because of the size of the operation and the overhead that we have. It is not cost effective there. So I guess some of the stuff I, I will turn down are things that feel uncomfortable because I don't think we can charge an appropriate price. You know, we're not we're not looking to gouge anybody. We're not looking to 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 throw a number at them to see if they bite. It's not about that. It's it's we are stuck charging more. For the smaller jobs than so, than a smaller operation could so and when you're talking you mentioned you get a overhead it's because uh, you also have a facility which is quite amazing uh, one of a kind I would say uh, with a studio already for shooting and that's where you also do your stop-motion uh, animations and so on so obviously if you still need to pay for everything uh, no matter what uh, you do is there any like rule of thumb for you for what is like a reasonable point Project or a reasonable uh, customer a reasonable customer is one that will be open as much as possible with what their budget and their expectations are and I think the biggest thing I've learned recently is to you know there's a lot of clients who will try and say oh well, we only have this much money after you've shown them you know what you what you'd like to do so what I'm trying to do with proposals is include items that I could easily remove from Um, from the piece that don't necessarily affect the, the time that goes into it but um, you know that way I say like well you know if your budgets really here I, I can give you this but I can't really give you these items but this would really enhance the the event and maybe next year you can budget for for more so I'm not reducing the cost of our services you know like hourly rate but I'm I'm meeting their needs and not reducing like working for less than I should be I'm just doing less so they're paying me less the um, the other thing that you know in finding the perfect customer um, I love it when we have somebody that says we like your work you know here's here's the budget here's our theme come the back to us. We want to highlight like we we do best when we are given that freedom to You know when they tell us right up front what they're able to spend so that we can come back to them with a with a proposal and we have ideas we're we're never short of ideas <laughs> so it's the 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 perfect client is that one that lets us expand explore they get so much more out of us oh yeah if, if somebody they, orders a la carte they're gonna get six of this item three of this item one of this item if they say eh, we've got this budget and uh, we've got go. the hall for a day and And you know we've got a soccer theme or we've got you know a 20th anniversary you know that is the client I love or like we we want to highlight our our new mission to to uh, spay and neuter pets you know like this sounds like a really weird thing but like you know or we've got like a fairy tale theme so we can incorporate lots of these elements like one of our favorite clients is, is an event a coordinator in Rochester and she knows that you We'll come in and we'll just get it done and I like to have enough room in, in whatever budget even when they are ordering a la carte to you know if I go in there and I decide that yeah they ordered this but you know if I had a little tiny bit over here it's gonna make it look that much better and so I've under promised over delivered and I'll let the client know I'll be like you know what we, we, we agreed to this 
but I thought you really could use a little something over here to highlight this. Just thanks for doing business with us. And then the next year when something comes up, they're like, oh, they they went above and beyond for me. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's talk a little bit about, about you guys, uh, like on the day-to-day <laughs> basis. Do you have a, like a, a regular schedule or things that you do in certain days? Or how do you manage your, your life as a couple and not... Like, manage to separate work from... Is there any separation? I wish there was a little bit more, but... One example of separation, something we did for a while, and we've been talking about, okay, as soon as we're done with the current series of conventions that we're, we're doing, we're, we're returning to it, is that because we spend 24 hours a day together, we don't always uh, reconnect and, and look at what's working what's not you know it's sort of like you never need to fill in the other person because we've been together so we have decided okay once a week we have an official meeting meeting is scheduled and for an hour two hours whatever amount of time we decide we check in with each other we just check in and start and assume that that we don't know what's been going on with with the other one and and act like we have not been working together because it it is a chance to kind of remind us that all right this is the business this is home this is you know but it has been it it one challenge is that yes we we can go we can spend 12 14 hours doing work because oh well we've left the studio but we haven't resolved the thing we were working on earlier and we're still in the same space. So we're trying to be more yes. conscious of that and, and really, you know, when we get home, just be like, okay, we're, we're done with work right now. We might need to, like, get in touch with somebody that's in the Middle East and we'll have to wake up at 6 in the morning or something. But we have to... It, it's, it's defining those boundaries for the health of our personal and business relationships. Um, how, about, how about the actual things that just, you know regular things in, in your home like the laundry and, and cooking <laughs> well <laughs> well I, so. I have done a lot of work in the kitchen lately um, to much to Larry's amusement because we, we decided to tear apart the kitchen and, and reorganize it a bit so um, it was funny the other day Larry comes home and and uh, I'm and it was the first time I had ever seen my wife working in the kitchen because I was she was in there with power tools and <laughs> you know like... I was like I had a hammer and chisel I was taking out the backsplash you know because we were, we just rearranged but, that but, yeah. but in in I would say that as a family art is still the center of everything all of our kids do things that are creative and artistic or maker um, type things we um, and. Even even when it comes to cooking, we went through a thing for a long time. <laughs> every every Saturday morning, the kids would wake us up with a theme, and that we would make pancakes to that theme, and and they were artistic pancakes, and the kids would get involved in it, and we were making things. You have uh, pictures of those? Oh, yeah. oh we do. <laughs> we actually almost made a book at one point. Yeah, then, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. We had a contract for a book, and I don't remember exactly what happened. It was before it, it, pancakes were like you know. Uh, we, drawn pancakes. I, I like to cool. think we started the movement, <laughs> but I think that was also um, when, like you know, like Barnes and Noble was kind of like Amazon was really coming on the scene, and Barnes and it was just you know didn't um, work out. But that's okay; we can still make pretty kick butt pancakes. So uh, you know, we do our because our kids like creating art. We work with them when we're not working together on on work projects. We're encouraging them to create and helping them create, and they've now reached the the ages where they're starting to get jobs as artists. So we're we're there supporting them. And and, and it's interesting too because you know, um, my growing up, my mother was a nurse, my father was a doctor, my grandfather had his own tool and die shop. So like there was some entrepreneurial examples in the family, but to me. It was you went to work, there was a list of things to do versus this life where it's like, no, I have to make the plan. I have to figure out what people are going to like and, and, you know, market it. And, and there's a whole other like level of interaction with the job that I have and the, what's generating work. So I, I'm enjoying watching the kids learn from us some of the steps that are required um, to do work, but also to value your work like for example our daughter chloe just got an illustration job of all things um doing she's she's always had this really talk about someone who can capture um gesture and emotion in just a few lines 
she's magic as far as I'm concerned. Um, so she's she's got a really great knack for uh, doing these really cute little gesture drawings that are very evocative of people's emotions and whatnot, but just with a few simple lines. Uh, so she was hired to, from a friend to do some spot illustrations. And thankfully, my friend was, was game for this, but I, I said, you know, can you treat her as if she were um, an illustrator that you were going to and talk to her about, um, you know, ask her if you can have permission to use the image um, in lots of different applications and that, well, you know, the fact that you want to kind of buy out the rights to the images has more value to her right away or to give her the option that she can have a portion of the proceeds from each of the sales that she makes just so that she can have that experience of, these are things that an illustrator has to think about. Um, you know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, give me 20 bucks. It's, you know, what does this mean for someone to take your image? And, you know, like the Nike logo was sold for, I think she made like $300 off of it originally. And think of how much money has been generated from that swoosh. So to just be conscious of those small steps along the way has been huge. Yeah, I think business in general, we've talked about how... You know, my parents, I came from a similar sort of family where parents had traditional jobs. They had shifts that they worked and they came home. So for both of us getting into uh, an art business and selling the art, and with, there was a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes along the way. So in every job the kids take, we we talk through the business aspect of it. So even with babysitting jobs we've in, we've told them that they have to invoice their clients and just to or even to talk about like it's a, our oldest son is doing um machining and manufacturing so actually tool and die work like my grandfather used to do um but talking to him about you know what cost is it for you to go and have this internship like you have to get from the house to there and I can't drive you. So does that mean you're taking the bus? Okay, if you're taking the bus, how much does that cost for you to get there? But also how much time does it take for you to get there? How much is your time worth? Is it better for you to take the damn DMV test and drive over there? <laughs> or, you know, to take the bus all the time? Because, um, you know, obviously taking an Uber or a Lyft to your job and the, the Lyft takes $17 and the entire time you're there working, you barely made that, you know, that there's not you can't afford that. So it, it's it's been an interesting opportunity to really work with the kids and have them think about what their lives will be like after they're not, you know, in my house and I will miss them. <laughs> you guys are too sweet. Uh, I, I want to wrap up with one more topic that I know is really important for you guys and you're very active in uh, around that, which is the ecology. <laughs> um, so how maybe can you share with us how did you find doing stuff on that? What, how did that happen? Well, from years and years of, of running Balloon HQ, it was being green was always an important thing that people talked about, you know, that, that it, it would come up and everybody, there was always some part of the world where, where it became a story that balloons were dangerous, balloons are causing trouble. And early on, I... It wasn't, it wasn't even like I set out in the beginning to prove those stories wrong. It was more, let me find out what the truth is. So from the beginning, I, I always wanted to do that research and talk to people and understand the, the effects of what I'm doing, whether it's the, whether that is putting a smile on somebody's face or creating garbage or or not creating garbage I want to know what what impact I have on everything around me so that was the the early times with it but as I learned as I got into more different things myself like I realized that one of the best parts of balloons is that the things we make are temporary. And I know that that sometimes seems a little weird to say, well, I, the best part is that what I make goes away. Everything it, goes away, though. Everything goes away. Everything has a shelf life. Um, life itself is, is limited. So to create something that mimics that, that it has, you can see the life of the balloon, that's a positive thing that I, that I can really appreciate. I think and, and then things that are finite have value. If the, you know what I mean, so the but, the fact that this balloon has a limited lifespan is part of its value. So we can fill an entire room with just a few small bags of material. Uh, if you try and decorate a room with any other material, 
you're creating so much stuff. Even if the materials that you're using are biodegradable, the amount, like the sheer mass of it is, is insane. So when it comes to, you know, once the party's over, what do you do with that stuff? Once the parade is over, what do you do with that float? So the fact that, you know, we've managed to find a local composter who will take our spent balloons and put them into their compost process is great. I would love to have that more um, easily available for everybody else. And the other thing that we've noticed is, you know, sometimes you'll get feedback on it. Like, especially if you do something cool, there'll be some people who say, like, well, balloons are horrible. They, they're plastic and they're going to they're gonna choke a whale. You shouldn't use them. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand bad science. Like, if you're going to hit me with something, hit me with something real and I'll work on it. Um, but we're intentionally using a material, collecting it, composting it so that it has a small ecological <laughs> footprint. Right. So when you look at other materials that people can use, like one of the other things that I've sculpted is glass. I like working in glass. Uh, I'm not any good at it, but but <laughs> I enjoy it. But at the end of the day, when I've, I've created something, that piece, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to store it somewhere. I'm going to, you know, I could throw it out, but it's not... The balloons, which I don't have to store, also do break down fully, and I've, I've come to really, really love that, and and that's something that I want to share with everybody. That not only are are we working with the just those few bags of small things that that can have such a huge impact, but when we're done, the 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 environmental impact is almost nothing. I mean, a lot of times it's difficult, you know, we're, you know, we're seeing the effects of global climate change. We've got this crazy winter going on here. We've got crazy fires and, and these are, I I still want to create no matter what happens. I want to make stuff. So using balloons to me is great because this is something that will have a minimal impact as far as my studies have found um, on the environment that we're living in, and I, that's the environment that we're we're borrowing from our children. Can Can you give us uh, like the the one minute summary of what did you find out? Are the balloons biodegradable? What type of footprint do they leave, and so on? So one of the balloon uh, adventures or manners that we did, we were really trying to get in touch with a commercial composter to take our things. Um, and in a commercial composting setting, they like to have all of the food material and whatnot break down. And what was it? Was it? I don't remember the timeline. So the, the, we did learn that the balloons do break down fully. Given time, it is a slower process than composting of other things. So like so food waste is, is, uh, will break down faster than the balloons. That doesn't mean the balloons aren't breaking down. It just means that it doesn't fit in the typical timeline that a commercial composter wants. That being said, we wanted to change the conversation that we were having with people from them telling us that the balloons didn't break down to, hey, we don't know the time period it takes in different environments for these balloons to take to break down because we know they break down. So instead of having a conversation where someone says those balloons don't break down, we say, you know what? The industry standard has always been the balloons take about as long as an oak leaf to break down. Now, that's true, but let's face it, an oak leaf is a pretty tough leaf. So we're trying to paint this picture of this, like, oh, they're, they're totally green, but we're, not that we're being disingenuous, but we're, we're marketing that, we're spinning that. So if instead we say, you know what, the industry standard has always been that they take about as long as an oak leaf to break down. We know that oak leaves take a while to break down, but what we don't know is the hard numbers. We want your help to help us find out how long it takes for a balloon to break down this is the composting experiment that we've designed. Will you do it with us? So suddenly we've gone from just sitting there saying, you know, defending ourselves, going like, no, 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 they break down, they break down. It's, yeah, they break down, but how long does it take? Can you help us figure that out? So suddenly that conversation is we're, different. We're bringing people into it with us. It's not, it's not us presenting information to them. It's making them part of the story. And how many people are involved? So we've had a couple hundred people on the internet that have signed up. It hasn't been the the thousands. It's not like it's gone viral or anything. But we've had enough people that have taken an interest. And, you know, anybody anywhere can, can say, send me an envelope full of balloons. 
and uh, you know, so that they can join in and do the experiment also. We have some exciting stuff that we're playing with, too, um, with some new people we've met that I don't want to say yet what it is because it, there is it, not because I don't want to share it, but because I, I want to when I share it, I want to have really good information about it. But we have run into some other people that that are talking to us now about accelerators, yeah. accelerators that will help uh, break it down faster. So that's very exciting. Yeah. And, and as far as the experiment goes, you know, we've put the experiment out there. We've had these people interested in downloading the experiment. Again, you put something out there, how many people are going to follow through? I'm not sure. I would invite anybody out there who's listening to the podcast, if you want to try this experiment for yourself, because then you can go to your clients and they'll say, well, how long does the balloons break down? You can say, well, I did this experiment in my backyard and I found out that it took X, Y, Z. And if we get, you know, even people in the industry, if everybody took a bag of balloons and and followed the instruction um, for the experiment that we came up with, we can have data points from all over the country that we can combine and say, you know what, we did an experiment with 50 users from around the country and we found it took X number of, of days, weeks, months, years for them to break down under these conditions. Now we have an answer for them. And did, uh, any, did people start to bring back data by now? Um, we're still waiting for data to come in, but yeah. it, it's, it's a young experiment. So. When, what, what is your estimation like from what you see? Well, it's hard because we haven't, you know, while we have we have a compost bin in the backyard and we have tossed a handful of balloons in the compost bin. Because the other thing is you can't just, like, put, like, an entire box of balloons out there and expect them to break down. You've got to mix them in with other things. Um, so I know unless there are little squirrels climbing into my compost bin and pulling out balloons and turning them into balloon animals, that those balloons broke down in that compost bin. It was it was a, a closed it's, bin. It's, it's several months. Yeah. It's not... Yeah, it, it's it's not something that's easy to look at and go, okay, 12 days. You know, yeah. it, it's, and, it, it's, and the balloons photodegrade better than they do when they're buried. So, you know, how do we take into that, that into account? You know, we know that orange oil will pop the balloons. So what happens if we mix some orange scraps in there? I don't know. There's there's so many, you know, like, I'm again, I'm, while I love to dabble with science, I'm not a scientist per se. I'm a citizen scientist at, who has four kids in a business. So I don't have time to necessarily do this experiment to the level of completion I would like. Um, but I think what we do best is that we ideate and we come up with ideas that we hope, you know, other people will run with. So um, if you're feeling nerdy, you know, let's let why don't we get like some folks together with like a local school like bring the experiment in with you and say, hey, you know, we're trying to do this. And and actually, I think that's even better to have the, the school, the students at the school do it because then it's one step away removed from somebody that's in the industry. Um, and on, on a marketing point of view, I just have to say yeah. that if you do share it with some, some local college or some local school and they are going to check up on those balloons every week or every two weeks, then balloons are going to be in their awareness for a pretty long time. Right, And, and you're going to have a whole generation of kids that are coming through that understand that these balloons break down and so they can help fight the science or the pseudoscience. Um, uh, well, if someone wants to join, uh, what should they do? Uh, so the the experiment you can download from SciStarter, um, it's origami.com slash compost, I believe is, yeah, is the link. So, uh, and you'll send it to me and, yeah. and yep, we'll yep. put that into the show, into the podcast chapter uh, show notes. Yeah, and then you can just download the experiment. The ideal situation would be that you follow the protocols that we designed um, in the experiment, you know, f- some of you can remember back to, to elementary school or middle school where, you know, we want to kind of keep the same uh, system going so we can control the variables. So that way it's not like, you know, this person decided to do this and this person decided to do that. Um, we have the same protocol going the whole time so that that way those numbers are, are better compared to each other. Of course. Um, we are running out of time. So if someone wants to learn more about the Erigami project, um, uh, where should they go? We have tons of stuff on origami.com. Which needs to be updated. But again, you know, like it's, part of our challenge is that we do lots of things really well. 
but we have to not do all the things. So it's trying to find people that we can get to help us that will do the work at least as good as we'll do it and that we can afford to have them do at least as well as we can do it. So the website is going to get updated soon. Dang it. But, uh, yeah, lots of information about us at aragami.com. We try to post projects as they happen at, on the Aragami page on Facebook. Instagram is always a good one for, like, a quick visual. We'll try and do a couple of shots of a project in progress and then the finished piece. Um yeah, so just keep an eye out for us. And uh, we'll put a link for that as well so people could find it uh, uh, very easy and fast. Thank you so much, guys, for, for teaching here in Twist and Shout, for being an inspiration for the industry. Uh, you are awesome, and uh, you're just too sweet. Aw, thanks, <laughs> Thank Amy. you so much. Thank you. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this interview with the just the cutest couple, uh, Larry Moss and Kelly Chittel. They're really good working together and uh, amazing art inspires many including myself i hope to meet you again next week on the balloon artist podcast there will be a few announcements done in the month of april that are exciting one of them is a big announcement that i cannot share yet however i can already share with you that by the time you're hearing this we're just a day or, or two away from the launching of the third 21-day challenge of the Balloon Artist College. In the third challenge, people are going to be challenged on their entertainer skills. Danny Schlesinger have designed an amazing challenge with 12 different tasks that you need to go through in order to create original content for yourself. All sorts of gags with balloons and uh, fillers and show fillers and even just show bits. So I think you're going to enjoy that. If you're interested in joining the Balloon Artist College, you can go to uh, balloonartistcollege.com and check our membership there. You can also email me, and my email is zivi at balloonartistcollege.com, which is Z-I-V-I at balloonartistcollege.com. Thank you, and see you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Evie Kivi, and this is Season 6, Chapter 3, The Tip Section. Did you have this situation where you uploaded lots of pictures from your camera or from your phone into your site, and then suddenly your site is very slow? Well, it might be even worse when people are trying to get into your site through a, a cell phone. Well, there is a fix for that on a WordPress website. It's a free plugin called Insanity. I am Sanity. So the letter I, the letter M, and then Sanity, S-A-N-I-T-Y. And this free plugin, you can tell it that anything on the width, like bigger than the width of 2048 pixels and um, anything bigger than the height of 1024 pixels uh, should be rescaled. Uh, by by that plugin to be smaller uh, because many times our phones and our cameras are taking pictures that are like 5,000 pixels wide and so it just creates huge files that are slowing down your website. Go ahead and try and download the Insanity plugin for free. Uh, I get nothing out of it. I just love this plugin. It's just easy to use. But of course, make sure that you have a backup of your site before you use anything like that. So if your hosting company doesn't provide backup, then that's a problem. Personally, I use a hosting server that do provide daily backup so that all of the sites that we host in the Balloon Artist College for our members, like with the shops that they have with the Balloon Upsell course or the Newborn Parties Balloon Decor course, all of those shops that we host for our members, they get automatically backed up and they have uh, like 30 days backup service for free. So, insanity for making your pictures smaller, and see you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. <laughs>